Terry Fitzgerald ever so much as disturbed a lip, I don't have the evidence on my photo hard drive, and his tube stance was stiffer than George C. Scott's neck in Patton. Does it matter? If we start with, to quote Rabbit Bartholomew, in the final analysis, style is probably the only thing that matters. Then add, style is a way to say who you are without having to speak, and sprinkle on, I loathe narcissism, but I approve of vanity. Then you might say, and I would for sure, that Terry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest surfers of all time, just as surely as Robert Plant is one of the greatest rock singers of all time. In other words, why hit lips when you got those hips? From London, I'm Jamie Brewer. From Brooklyn, I'm Tyler Brewer. And this is the Sunday Joint, where we roll up Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter for a deep inhale of surfing's past, present, and future. On this episode, we pull from Matt Warshaw's October 18th, 2020 Sunday Joint newsletter. And it's all about the hips thrusting, body torquing, Sultan of Speed, Mr. Terry Fitzgerald. We cover Fitzy head to toe from Morning of the Earth to Hot Buttered Soul and beyond. And of course, we try to one-up each other with Stump My Bro on this episode of The Sunday Joint. Getting there. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> it is Terry Fitz. I mean, it's got to have swagger and it's got to have style. And when, I mean, what do you think of when you f- hear the name Terry Fitzgerald? What is like the first image that comes to your mind? I was, it's his hair. <laughs> I, I mean. For me, for me, when I think of Terry Fitz, it's like, I go into um, an alternate scene in a movie and I hear the drum beats from Five Summer Story that's on his segment. And he's at Rocky Point going backside, highlining, hips out, and just total body torque. Like that to me is just, that's Fitzy. That's always in my mind. But doing this deep dive and from this Sunday joint, you know, if you were to 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 follow the links and go down all the different holes, you would find that there's just so much more going on there too. And yeah, well, well, that's I mean, that's a really good point. Although I have to say, like, I was looking at least for podcasts. I was searching up his name and typing in serving to try and hear if there were any interviews with him or other things before. I, could you find anything? I I searched YouTube a lot. Mm. That was that was where I I was finding some stuff. Found and then I I I went on the Surf Video Network. Thank you, Ira Opper, and uh, watched Hot Butter Soul, the movie, which is like kind of, it's basically like the best of all the hot buttered movies. 
uh, combined with some interview voiceovers and talking. Uh, so that I got that. And then, um, you know, I went into our archives and uh, digitized the Surfer's Journal biographies uh, video on Terry Fitz, which that had a lot of great, great content and, and some info that, that I didn't find in the Sunday joint even, which I was really psyched on. And Wingnut gives a really nice narration to Fitzy, so I was mm. quite pleased. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the video stuff, there's a lot of good video stuff out there. Yeah. Um, especially that one video of Terry Fitzgerald surfing Goofy Fit. That's pretty good. Oh, on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, you that, should check it out. That, oh, you should check that. For all our listeners, Jamie had made this um, this video. He, he, it's, he, he put a soundtrack to it, and he basically screw-footed Terry Fitz and made him go left, Goofy, and do you want to sing it? Do you want to sing yeah, it? No, no, people can watch it. What? Why do they call? Go no, left. I'm going to hit the mute button. Why Why do they call Goofy Foot screw foot? Um, because, I don't know, I think right-handed and being regular foot are kind of associated together. And so if you, Goofy Foot kind of feels left-handed. And so people view that as somewhat odd i have no clue to be oh honest. you mean like screwed up or something yeah like maybe you know oh, okay or like a corkscrew it's kind of screwy and goes the opposite <laughs> direction i don't know man like You're thinking on your this, feet there. this yeah i'm total laying the bullshit on right here but i mean matt you're gonna have to answer that one for us please i think yeah know? well that that could be a stump stump both bros type of thing <laughs> where, where did it come from maybe we can put that one on on uh social media we can post like who knows where the term screw foot came from yeah what did you like um my friend uh, you know got me a book it's um red herrings and white elephants and it's a book of the origin of all these different expressions and uh, yeah, it would be one of those they should have like a surfing version of they that. should i read um bill Bryce. Tyson did a wonderful book on that too, on American terms and wording too, and where they came from. And it was so fascinating. I would love to do, to do a, like a surfing one, or maybe at some point in this uh, show in the future, we can do a series of surf words in their history, maybe in lingo, yeah. uh, a little section or something that could be kind of fun. Yeah. It kind of ties into when on your program, when you interview people and ask them what's their uh, your favorite surf word or, Least, least favorite surf word term. <laughs> <laughs> when I do the Bernard Peugeot questionnaire, you mean? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, but we digress, and yes. like, um, yeah, I don't want to digress too much. But yeah, because like back to what you were saying, he's Terry Fitzgerald was to to quote Derek Hind, I think you know the the full package or the total surfer. You know, he he did it all. He, he was so interesting because not only was he a really good surfer and a really stylish surfer, and he surfed all different types of waves really well, but he shaped surfboards, um, started a big company. He also was incredibly opinionated and articulate as yeah. well. So you, he was always, that's why I thought there would be some good stuff online where, where they interviewed him for his opinions about things. Well, so... I did some extracurricular research for this, and I uh, I called up Andrew Kidman because Andrew had worked for Terry sweeping up uh, when he was about fourteen or fifteen, and has known the the Fitch, grew up with Kai and Joel, 
um, you know, and has, you know, has a very, you know, has a relationship with them and knows Terry very well, uh, or as well as you can know him, I guess. And um, he feels that uh, Terry was kind of written out of surf history in some ways, particularly by some of the, the bigger brands, potentially. Uh, you know, he, yeah, and, and this is this is all from conversation. This is not truthful. We don't know if this is actually the case, but this is one one person's opinion. I don't want to get sued for defamation here, uh, but but like, yeah. I mean, I feel like Andrew was alluding to that the industry, uh, you know, and I think because of maybe Terry's stubbornness, or or I don't want to say stubbornness, but he remains true to his vision and remains true to, to the core and is not really willing to compromise and sell out that I think that puts you in a position when you have brands like Quicksilver, Billabong, Rip Curl, you know, going on, you know, you know, becoming like public publicly traded companies and they're going along for the ride and he's trying to remain core. Maybe there was some tension there potentially. No, no, when you like, when you're saying the industry wrote him out of history, like give me an example of how the industry wrote somebody else into history. Well, I mean, Quicksilver would be one who does like a whole book on their whole history and makes it seem like they're such an integral part of surf culture. You know, like they really tried to, to I would I would argue at least, this is my opinion, uh, that they tried to really uh, associate surfing and Quicksilver. To make them synonymous yes. in the in the in the, con- the social consciousness and the way they write their history books, you know, the book of Quicksilver. So, like Gotcha did a similar thing. Rip Curl has all done a similar thing, uh, and I'm sure Hot Butter did, has some some material similar. But I think they all write their own versions of history. But it does feel like there's an absence of Terry Fitz. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, uh, I'll, there's I'll an absence get it. of Terry Fitz. Yeah stuff like interviews and and things from like the 80s 90s kind of business side of things you know it feels like he burned fucking bright and this is interesting like matt i was talking to matt about this like for three years particularly in the u.s there was almost terry fitz came in at like a gap between nat young wait before you go on to that because i know that's it's going to go into other things but i just want to to challenge you on the things that you said about him yeah. not being included in those books, because I have the Quicksilver book in the other yeah. room and they mention him quite favorably. Oh, they in do. There, and they talk okay. about him as, you know, a, a former writer and one of the, one of the, the greats of the game in the Quicksilver book. Oh, well, good. The, Thanks for sending it straight. Yeah. And in the Rip Curl book as well, they have, you know, pictures of him in the Rip Curl mm. book. They don't have that many pictures in the book and they have him feature pro- mm. quite prominently in Matt's, history of surfing they you know he devotes a whole section to terry fitzgerald and michael peterson yeah um but so he does get mentioned quite favorably there although uh, sorry just, yeah yeah i was just, just the, the one more no, the, the one surf thing. media the surf media maybe more i'm mm. leaning on more potentially sorry maybe i've misspoke yeah although i guess you know like surfers journal did a very lavish profile in him that um 1999 surfers journal doesn't count okay (laughs) anyway but you know the one thing you are right about and and then but but get back to what you're saying um no i think matt kind of agrees with you in 
in the history of surfing when he says that in the 70s when he was at that prime where you're going to talk about in a minute i think he was like the you know the the big star of australian surfing and of surfing in general actually and yeah. mp was actually not as big of an international star as fitz was but yeah. they he actually says something along the lines of over time fitz's stock has gone down and mp's stock has gone up and Fitz, that could be the yeah. perception that i'm i'm mm. trying to uh maybe get across i guess and thank you for that yes <laughs> sorry but no, yeah I, I, do, I do think like yeah mp's stock has gone quite up and terry fitz like he just doesn't feel like you hear about it as much in the u.s at least from my my perspective like the media and things like he's not as prominent um and maybe it's also because he became and he came in between certain time periods um you had nat young midget farley you know kind of you know crew coming in the 60s and then it's terry who came right after that kind of and then you had busting down the door and Terry was almost like the lone Australian flying the flag from that early 70s internationally. And his performances in Hawaii were just, from what everyone says and from the video footage you watch, was just so mind-blowing. I mean, Dick Brewer said he was the best surfer he had ever seen at Rocky Point. So, I mean, he burned, and, and Matt emphasized this to me, like he burned really bright those three years. He was probably the best surfer in the world. Um, and would I, you know, and that's like the period that we all envision of Terry Fitz. Yes. Yeah, he, he really embodies that early part of the 70s, you know, like the, the early to mid 70s. I, I think about him as being, you know, one of the Mount Rushmore people of that era kind of thing. Yes. Like if you were, if you think of the 70s, like the early half of the 70s, yeah. who are like, you asked me kind of what image comes to mind when I think of Terry Fitzgerald. What image is like who, which surfers just boom, just like define or are like avatars of the early 70s for you? Okay. Well, it's, it's Lopez, Jerry Lopez, definitely. Um, I think Terry Fitz is, is the, the next one. Maybe BK, Barry Kanayapuni. Uh, you could put uh, Reno in that. Um, and maybe uh in turn maybe david nueva potentially i don't know i think he know? gets too like lumped in with the 60s you know like yeah he was great yeah. in the early 70s but he was he's more synonymous with the 60s you know yeah and his 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 nose riding is still like fucking mind-blowing i mean he could still i mean he was amazing in the early 70s surfing but his stuff it just he to me, like when I think of Dave Nueva, like, yes, you can think of the long hair and having his fish freaking stabbed to the pier uh, in San Diego. But um, but also his his nose riding was what really set him apart at first. You know, oh, that everything. was like, yeah, on the longboard, this. What, what, what I find interesting with Terry is like when he was young, you know, he had osteomyelitis which was like a bone degenerate a degenerative bone disease and he was in that hospital with older men like watching people die basically and he forged these relationships with them 
And that, that must have, obviously, that, that definitely had an impact on him. It must have matured him quite a bit. Um, and he watched out from the window. He could see the waves breaking and watching people surfing. And that was like kind of what really got him motivated. Um, yeah, I wanted to go in a little bit about his history because he was very smart, like got placed in like, I guess what we would call honors programs or a very special school program, yeah, right? Like here in England, and I think it might be similar in Australia, that they have a thing, it was bigger in the 70s than it is now, but they have a thing called grammar schools. And yeah. it's, it's a chance for high ranking children to go, you know, high academically achieving children to go to a selective school where you're chosen to go to this school and get like a top quality education with other children who are also, you know, high achievers privileged. as well, but yeah. it's still and free. No, no, not privileged. It's, not privileged. it's okay. free. Whereas, yeah. you know, you don't go to a private school. It's, it's a free school, you know, paid for by the state. Um, they don't have it as much now, but, but you have to be super, super like hot shit to get into there. And it usually starts like in seventh grade and goes on to high school. Cause it seemed like he was on the straight and narrow, you know, in a sense, like his surfing and every, he was surfing and everything, but like he career wise, school wise, he was heading in a certain direction and then just, you know, got his car, got his license. And that just changed everything, you know? And it's so funny how, I feel like when you're a teenager and you you gain that sense of that freedom, whether it's a car or being able to ride the bus alone for the first time, like your son, Rolfi, you know, or <laughs> things like that, like they start to really their person, their inner personality really starts to form in their own thoughts as opposed to being told or, or following a certain, you know, path that's already been blazed. Um, yeah, no, I just find it interesting because then it's like he he gets car and then goes up to the Gold Coast and has like almost like a transformation in some ways, mm. you but know, it, going up there. Yeah, I'm jumping around a little. No, and, and the thing is back what you were saying about his early life being in hospital for, it was a really long time. It was yeah. like uh, months, wasn't it? Oh, it was like, it seemed like six months and then he had long recovery. It mm -hmm. was sounded pretty uh, painful. Yeah, so he was in, that was a really hardcore experience. And he said, you know, back then they didn't have children's hospitals. You know, children's hospitals now are much more, you know, they just know so much about how to cater to young children. They keep it, you know, uh, whereas this was just, yeah, he was lumped in with minors, they said. Yeah. And also not minors like young people. Yeah, people who worked in mines. Yeah. And <laughs> minors with an E. Yeah. And then tying into what kind of person he becomes and how he was on the straight and narrow. Like his dad was like a oh, Royal a Navy diver. Yeah. Hard, Moved around a lot too. Yeah. Like hard, like that must be such a, he must've been a bit of a badass, you know? And then he also said when he got older, you know, and started to, you know, like the time period you were describing, getting his freedom, he said he was at loggerheads with his parents. You know, he wanted to surf and they, probably did you know wanted him to yeah after he'd achieved so much in school they probably wanted him to be succeed but the two things where he didn't completely change direction is that he's famous for well for one for being a hard ass as a when when he ran hot butter you yeah. know they said that he was like like a a really full-on boss you know like and he would you know it was his way or the highway and they said that 
and Phil Jarrett's profile in him in Surfers Journal said, you know, when he would go on surf trips and he'd come back to the shop or the, the factory, he was going to have to like come down on everybody because he knew they'd be screwed around and there was always <laughs> going to be a fight, you know. Uh, and Derek Hines said, you know, he never took the soft option. And that was like with the way he talked, but also about his surfboards, they weren't easy to ride. But then the other thing, which you talk about, you know, being on the straight and narrow, he's kind of like Frank Zappa in that <laughs> he had these crazy, beautiful boards spray painted by, not spray, airbrushed by Martin Worthington. He was so flamboyant in his style. He looked like a psychedelic king, but he didn't, he was really anti-drug. Yeah, yeah. At a time when it was very cool to take drugs, I guess. I mean, he had done a little bit in Hawaii, you know, it helped free his mind up a little bit apparently, but he was, he was, you know, well, I, so this is interesting. I want to dive into this. Okay. Cause um, one, like Andrew said, like he's one of the hardest working people he's ever met just works seven days a week, almost like just works his ass off. Mm -hmm. Like really, really, unless the waves are really good. Like he's in there every day still to this day. Um, but there's, there's a strain of uncompromising, uncompromising with their integrity, not just with Terry, but his whole lineage. So like I took this quote, um, great as it has been at times, the hot buttered family over the 25 years has failed to produce a pro surfer of Fitzgerald's own caliber, although Hine came close as did Vitea Poto David. But it has, however, given us some of the sport's most enigmatic Enigmatic figures. Enigmatic, I think Enigmatic figures. <laughs> Stumbling here. Uh, people like Hine, Nick Carroll, and of course, Terry's own, own kid, Joel and Kai. Hine and Carroll had their flings in contest jerseys, then went on to become two of the most respected riders in surfing. Rod Kurtzop went on to become a doctor. And, you know, the thing is, like, and, and Kai is, you know, Kai went on to study management, get the picture. Hot Buttered was never a factory popping out surf contest clones. It's stock and trade were custom made individuals. And if you look at like the Hot Buttered strain, the people who have come from that, these are people who are almost true to their vision, uncompromising in their vision. Derek Hind. He has a vision. He's not compromising and swaying from it. Andrew Kidman would be another one. I mean, Andrew Kidman is so true to his, his vision. Like, fuck, he was making pizzas down in Oz. You know, he loves to make pizzas, actually. And he was at a pizza shop, and the owner asked him to make a Nutella pizza. He fucking walked out. <laughs> he refused to compromise and make a Nutella pizza. You know, like, that's the, the level of, like, intensity... Um, and you look at the people who who come, like, so you have here uh, Derek Hind, you have Poto, you have Nick Carroll, Pete Wilson came from there, photographer. Uh, Mick Mackey also came from that strain. Wayne Dean, Martin Worthington, Simon Law, uh, you know, Matt Cattle, you know, these are incredible surfers, but a lot of them went on to do all these awesome things, but they are also so true to their vision. And I think they learned that from Terry. You know, he didn't compromise and he never compromised on quality. That was like his angle too with his surfboards. You know, it was all about getting the best quality board. Um, you know, and the boards themselves, uncompromising boards. Yeah, they're all like pieces of art. Like not just the the the, 
the paint jobs, but just the shapes themselves. So, so yeah, so it, interesting character, definitely. The interesting, but it's also like I I admire that uh, sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm I'm not that person. I'm very much like a uh, 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 compromise to keep people happy, and and I'm also the more the merrier. Throwing their ideas in sounds great, and I don't always remain true to my vision actually like i let others contribute to it um for better or worse um and i but i've always admired people who stuck to their guns no matter what and were willing to walk away from maybe a bigger payout or whatever is promised to stay true to that i i i personally i don't think looking back in my history i don't think there's anything that i've ever done that that was so that have been so uncompromising on maybe. I don't know, you can tell me. Maybe, maybe there's something. <laughs> I'll have to think Calvin. about that. How, other how than, other than fighting with dad, other than fighting with dad about wearing like sweatpants, uh, you know, I wanted to wear sweatpants and he, he, you know, wanted me to wear jeans, you know, when we were kids and we'd fight over that. <laughs> well, so like if you, um, I guess then you think, all right, we're, you mentioned his, his uh, his family, not his well, his actual family, but also his you know the, the surfers like Nick Carroll and Derek Hind. But they're from an older generation. Do, do you see? Are there? I guess this is the thing. You know, people talk about how in the old days <laughs> you had surfers uh, or surfing attracted and spit out real unique, interesting characters. You know, like multi-dimensional characters, people who were not just interesting for their surfing, but interesting for the way they lived life and their contribution to thoughts, ideas, and the art of surfing. And you, you just illustrated why those people are. In the last, uh, you know, the modern, modern, postmodern era, in the last yeah. 20, 20 years, because 10 years just went Post, by pretty quickly. Postmodern collective era? Yeah, well, in, in the last <laughs> 20 years, um, uh, well, do you know, like, it's funny how people look back. I was going to ask, you know, who, yeah. who have there been people like that? People really interesting like that. Um, people yeah. really thoughtful, like who comes to mind? I mean, mind. Who are the modern day Terry? Uh, do you think like Tomo, maybe Daniel Thompson with his boards? He, He's he's gone like a totally different route and to and it's and it's kind of working for him. Mm. Uh, and it's changed the way people have looked at surfboards, actually, I would say. Him and oh, Richard yeah. Penguin. I mean, God, yeah, actually, when you think about it with surfboards themselves, recently yeah. in the last 10, 20 years, there has been a lot more individuality and innovation in surfboards. And he Tom, yeah, he's definitely one of them. Um, I think um there are definitely shapers out there. You know, you could you could throw a bunch of them on onto that. You know, yeah. Like, um. Oh God, how come I can't think? You know, San Diego tall, thin guy makes the asymmetrical boards. Who surfs longboards and shortboards really nice. Has a really nice Kuka happy Pinto? face. No. Oh. No. Oh. no um, a shaper. Yeah. Tyler the, Warren. No, no, makes the asymmetric boards that Bryce Young rides and oh uh, Ryan Birch, Ryan totally. Birch, he yeah. would totally, absolutely, and Cyrus Hutton, Cyrus Sutton would be another one I would right. I would categorize into that, you know, where they don't they don't tow the industry line either, you know, they're not they're actually they they don't totally conform to that to that to that industry maybe 
I wonder if Ellis Erickson, maybe. I'm curious. Well, the type of boards he's making for sure. For and, sure. Yeah. And, um, and also like, yeah, the, you know, he will speak about the type of boards he's making and promotes them and surfs them really well too. Yeah. I'm like big wave, certain big wave surfers, maybe. Oh, ah, Albie layer. My God. Yeah, and Albie definitely. layer, as far as opinions, you yes. know, and being outspoken. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And super you, versatile as well. You maybe actually, anything. God, maybe we are living in a really good era for individuals, actually. <laughs> well, I, uh, I was when I was watching um, the the Surfers Journal biographies. They they said something that that just stuck with me, and it was like, you know, surfing in the early seventies had become decentralized, and I feel like we're in a another version of that where surfing is kind of becoming decentralized right now there's no surfer magazine anymore so there's no like home of surfing maybe the wsl but that remains to be seen these days right now whether they'll continue but they're it, surfing is decentralizing right now and so maybe this is a fertile time uh for people to, to maybe more characters will come out now uh, social media allows that Social media encourages that. I mean, you look at Ben Gravy, Jamie O'Brien, they're quite characters and, and colorful characters too. Um, you know, uh, I think this is actually, could be, a, 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 could be equivalent to that early 70s period. Board design is pretty fertile right now. Uh, people's minds are pretty open to boards. Yeah, and also not just, I mean, God, we're really, we're sticking to some traditions here by talking about boards and, and men, but yeah. the amount of women surfers and people of yeah, different sorry. ethnicities and different colors, right? Uh, di uh, not different colors, different countries right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> like, it just, it, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, a th actually, it takes a, a t it takes a lot of effort to keep track of all the different interesting people who have come into surfing in recent years. It's, I think it's phenomenal. I, I do. I think it's quite exciting. And, you know, I wonder who, who would be our Terry Fitz of this generation then? Mm. Is there? Could there be? I mean, it feels in, oh, yeah, I know. Cause like I was going to say, as far as uh, cocksuredness and an influence, a little bit older surfer, but, you know, Joel Tudor, like, really would fit the bill in that sense. You know, somebody yeah. who's really, like, stops you dead in your tracks. You, Everybody was aware of Joel Tudor. You, he was incredibly influential and yeah. very, very you know, opinionate. I mean, super interesting. <laughs> but that's the thing. Any interview you ever heard with, with him was, was worth, it was interesting to listen to. Absolutely. Um, but here's the, the thing that... I wanted to ask you about was that yeah so well Joel Tudor has probably he's got so many uh what's the word Acolytes? offspring Acolytes. no offspring, offspring. he's, oh, he's yeah. influenced so yeah. many people yeah like without if Joel Tudor hadn't existed who knows what the surfing world would look right now but because of him he's just like he's given birth to so many you know a whole movement you know him with Thomas Campbell I suppose um, um, don't forget Kidman on that one too, by the way. No, of course he's yeah. he's. A, yeah. I, you gotta you course. gotta put that in there. Because Kidman would Kidman would be the the Antipodean um, counterpart. You know, the the person who also was majorly responsible for a shift in surf culture. For sure, for sure. Um, um, 
So the, 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 the question going back to that, though, is, you know, we're talking about how in yours and my mind, and I think a lot of people's, despite, you know, what we were saying before, in some ways, surf media is neglecting them. I think if you ask most people to say who would be their, the avatars of the early mid 70s, I think they would all say the same names we did, you know? Yeah. BK, Reno, Jerry, Terry, and, and MP, you know, Michael yeah. Peterson as well. Yeah. Those would be the, the top five kind of thing. Um, oh, Wayne Lynch, would you categorize in that? Oh, ah, that's interesting. Like, I would have. Because he I spans have... like, yeah, I mean, like, he spans late 60s, but he, he disappeared in the early 70s because of the draft, you know, and then reemerged in the mid 70s. So it's kind of funny, like he took a pause because of circumstances and he had to go hide out from the draft. But I wonder if you could in include that or not, include him or not. I think with, because I have, so I have like a sub list and he's in that sub list. But I feel like, you know how like Sean Thompson was number two in the world in 1985. Yeah. Right? So and he still competed into the late 80s. You know, yeah. he was still hot. 84, 85, hot. by the way. Let's just. No, but at the end of the year. Yeah, the end, the end of the, the year. world but title. The season came... was in 84, 85. I'm right, gonna... right. Yeah. So I'm a but he <laughs> had his biggest cultural impact in the 70s, you know, late 70s. Like Sean Thompson, you know, Rabbit Bartholomew and, uh, and MR were the, the late 70s. They were the late yeah. 70s. Um, and, and Wayne Lynch, even though he was the same age as all the guys in the early 70s and mid 70s and was still, you know, he won the Coke, you know, in the mid 70s and was actually <laughs> even now he still <laughs> rips, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like his greatest impact was the very late 70s, you know, and evolution when he just what the fuck, you know. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. So I, I always feel like he's kind of the main guy in the late the same thing with nat young you know nat young as well like was still awesome in the early 70s but and still very relevant but it was the late 60s where his major impact but oh, i'm sorry i'm really yeah, getting off no, track this here. is great no no let's i like these off tracks <laughs> these are these are the fun parts actually it'd be quite dry if we don't have that <laughs> let's stick to schedule but with uh even though Ter Terry Fitzgerald kind of it was an icon of the early 70s. Um, Matt Warshaw said this, and I, I kind of see his point there, um, that Michael Peterson, Larry Bertelman, that's another yeah. person we forgot. But yeah, but even sorry. even even Jerry Lopez, um, and Michael Peterson, I think I said him already, and definitely Wayne Lynch, they all kind of you can see their genetics in yeah. modern surfers, or you could see their genetics in the eighties and nineties. And even now, like if you watch, if you watch some footage of those guys surfing in the early seventies, you can yeah. see the body mechanics and all that stuff. Whereas Fitz, he said that uh, essentially the Fitz met the Terry Fitzgerald method began and ended with Terry Fitzgerald. And you don't see, People surfing people like surfing him. like him anymore, you know, or after. Well, you see people posing like him now. Oh, now yes. Now, particularly, you see a lot of people draw inspiration from certain poses. But what a lot of people and what has been said in the article, in a lot of the articles and everything, is like he had to surf that way because of the boards dictated that you surf that way. 
And the guys who sir, who try to do those poses, those board, the boards they're riding don't really requ require them to actually do that. Those poses, they're just doing it not out of functionality, but more for style. Where Terry was doing it out of functionality too. There was a function to that style because of the boards. It required you to to thrust with the with the hips. Oh, that sounds <laughs> to thrust with the hips. Uh, yes. You trusted well. Oh, that's but, I, yeah. You no, know, and I think that yes, like there's not a, a people didn't mimic his style, you know, like on a day to day basis. Like it wasn't considered uh, maybe competitive surfing wise. Although you know, at the time it they did apparently. It did. Yeah, but looking back, but like five years, five ten years later, the fit style was kind of disappeared. Yeah, or I don't want to say shortboard. It was. Yeah, with with with, with cutting edge, yeah, like yeah. they kind of took more from the other people than they did from him so much. But what people don't give Terry Fitz as much credit, I think, for, and this is where I mean, maybe he was written out or not brought up more, is his investment in youth in in competitive surfing. I mean, he started the Pro Junior, mm. you know, which he ran with Ocean Earth for years until he was muscled out by the ASP. Um, and, and Graham Cassidy, um, you know, uh, when they went to like in the junior tours and all that, maybe not Graham Cassidy, but he was muscled out eventually of the pro junior and he supported a lot of youth programs and really helped create structure for professional surfing. He ran the Coke surf bout, you know, he, he was the contest director, like he was heavily involved on the ground level, formed the uh, Australian Pro Tour. He was heavily involved in that. So, I mean, that doesn't maybe get highlighted as much. Like, his, we all think of Terry Fitz and we think of the boards and we think of his surfing, but there's a lot more he contributed to uh, that I think is very important. Like, not just uh, even the competitive side, but yeah, like all the Australian juniors, you know, owe a lot to, to Terry Fitz. And if you were a junior surfer, in the world, you needed to go surf the co surf the pro junior. You oh know, yeah, that the was, list of people who won that. It's unreal, and it's a shame we don't really have that anymore. The WSL has like the world junior championships, but it it doesn't have to me. It doesn't ring almost the same importance as the pro junior. If oh yeah, junior I mean, when when Slater won that, I thought because you know he was still so new. But when when yeah. he won that, I was like, oh. Okay, that really validates him. He is the real deal. That totally validated him, you know? And and I think, like, yeah, I mean, Tom Carroll was a winner. I mean, there's so many people who, who won that and went on to greatness. And that was, to me, the pro junior, I imagine, is like, it's like one of the places, like, I don't view it as like a real high-end kind of event i look at it as a bare knuckles brawl kind of event for for groms in my mind like it was mm -hmm. like you had to go surf narabeen you know which can be good but can also be like dog eat dog you know and it it had a grit to it to me and a prestige like you had to fight to win that uh, whereas the wsl it just feels too clean and too nice and too sportsman like me i don't know <laughs> well it's interesting that yeah um i mean i did yeah i wanted like talking about like the wsl and how it's you know gone on hold for a little while right now yeah and thinking about you know going forward what's the best way to do things 
And looking back on the that era when Terry Fitzgerald was hitting his peak, you know, there wasn't a pro tour yet. And the world titles disappeared yeah. from that era. Um, you know, and he, he didn't have a chance to to prove if he really was the best, you know, in a competitive arena. Yeah. Um, and there yeah, were no the, surfer poles too, by the way. In that's that time true. Period. It really Matt was like that out. And he probably would have, he wouldn't have won. Matt doesn't think he would win the surfer's pole, uh, but he would have been in the top five. He probably would have been the mm. only Aussie in it potentially at that time when everyone was googly eyes over Hawaiian surfing. Did you want to say Google Gaga over there? Yeah, I was going to say Google did. Gaga, and instead I went googly eyes. I don't know which is better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which is worse. I mean, <laughs> no, God, yeah. <laughs> Google Gaga. Over but then again, there. it's hard to think what would be better, actually. <laughs> well, I wanted to run this by you. I was thinking yeah. of just calling you up and talking about it, but I thought, why not do it? you know, for all, all the, <laughs> that's the other thing. I, I keep wondering, is anyone listening to this? Oh, do people listen to this? <laughs> they do. They Some, do. I, get, I get people texting oh, me yeah. at least, friends and stuff who quite like it. Chris, Chris from London, Chris and Demi listen to it from London Surf Film Fest. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, they support us. Yeah. I know a few, a few teachers Shout at out. school have heard it a couple months or listened to it. <laughs> I actually oh, have buyers. Hi, everybody. I have, I have buyers who want to listen to it, actually. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, to, to all of you out there who are listening right now, I wonder what you guys think about this idea. <laughs> uh, um, I hope it's not going to take me too long to run it by you. But, you know, it's always interesting to think, is there a better way to do competitive surfing? And because because there are flaws in it, you know, I mean, yeah. one, it's it's a subjective thing and you know you could always argue and, and yet wsl has done you know done a, a really good job of trying to make it as objective as possible and you know like coming up with a really good criteria for defining what good surfing is and they've narrowed it down to two waves and it's and you have man you know person man on man and you can you can know who won a heat and everything but at the same time it's it, you know, there's always wondering how could it be more interesting. And Barton Lynch, when he spoke on um, on Dirty, Dirty Water, Dirty Water the other day, yeah, another really good podcast. Oh, fucking love that. Barton Lynch just needs his own podcast in general. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Um, I you know what I mean. To, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I could listen to Barton all day long, all day long. I really could. I, I think that could be the title of it, all day long with Barton Lynch. <laughs> You could have some version of uh, Lionel Richie at the beginning. Him and Potts together. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> Maybe Potts would loosen up a bit more. <laughs> Actually, they'd be a really good foil with each other. They'd be like um, Walter Matthau and... Uh, Why don't they pair them more in heats on the WSL, Potts and Barton? You mean commentating or yeah, surfing against commentating, each other? Commentating. Yeah, I don't I know. I think they, they would be perfect together because they could always reminisce... And throw in like, oh, that reminds me of that heat when, remember when so-and-so did that to you? And be like, oh, yeah, you know, and that could be fascinating. Okay, who else would be good? They, I agree. I think they, and they, oh, I mean, if you listen to the Barton interview, if you read uh, the Martin Potter profile in Surface yeah. Journal by by Derek oh, Wright. Oh, I love that They one. talk about how the two of them, 
hated each other when they competed and they ended up becoming best friends you know like, i got no i'm nothing you got yeah. me mate yes i know brings, <laughs> brings a tear to the quote, eye quote from that <laughs> who um what other Formats? people do you, do you think would be really good uh duos oh. all right or could uh, have a podcast <laughs> but <we're sure. laughs> brad gerlach should have his own but, but I think he needs somebody to keep him in line. He needs Who a straight he... man. He needs a straight man. Oh, Marty Thomas. Mar no, Mike Parsons. Oh, Mike Parsons, yeah. Mike Parsons, his toe partner. That he's as straight good. as they come. He's like, he's a straight arrow. I mean, I don't know if his good. back ever even bends if you watch him surf. A bit like George C. Scott. He's got the best posture surfing. Yes. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, Trust me, listeners, thing. watch Mar Mike Parsons surf, and you'll know what I mean. He's got he's got a very upright style. <laughs> mm. He's a bit a bit like Jock Sutherland as well. Yeah, yeah. And Joel Tudor, yeah. Joel Tudor, yeah. another famous, yeah, very upright. Yeah. Um, so get, okay, so but, getting oh, back to your competitive format. Oh yes, here. yes, yes. Because I want to so, go back to that because that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think. It, what what Barton Lynch had said was that in the old days, you had in like definitely in the seventies and I think the early eighties, you didn't necessarily see all the scores of every ride. Yeah. What you did was the judges would score each ride, but at the end they would give their decision over who won the heat. Yeah. And then they would they would say out of seven judges, four judges thought they won and three said he lost or or five one or something like that yeah because actually trying to quantify a ride is so weirdly abstract but people can say who they thought you know won or lost so he thought that would be a good idea and he said the other good idea would be to actually make the judges part of the whole show and actually interview the judges afterwards and i've been get to saying know this them. for a year they should yeah. always come on and recap a heat and explain why certain decisions were made, why they scored certain things, point out the flaws in the wave and what they did right. Because otherwise we're left guessing what is good surfing a lot of time. I mean, we all have our own opinion on it, but what is good surfing to the judges? And I don't understand why the WSL doesn't explain that more, doesn't bring Richie Porta in when he was there or uh, Pratamo now or anyone who's a judge. like that to me is the best way to get the general audience to understand sur competitive surfing too yeah i mean the commentators now compared to the 80s or say they, yeah. they do a good job at explaining why they the got a good score but why not get the <laughs> the pt was like the you know like a horse racing announcer i know and here I... he comes current right out of the gate and he's smacking it off the lip and he's going down and and then on the inside he's got a chris brown wraparound chris brown wraparound for the win now the you thing know? is it was amazing and pt is such a lovable character um and do you remember when they had the advertise the, the commercial on tv for the bud pro tour and it was someone surfing in slow motion with pt's uh horse racing yes. commentating on top of it it's horse but, racing but, commentary meant for radio it's great yes now okay a little bit of trivia yeah who who was uh pt's inspiration for i that? know i i've read this somewhere but you i forgot have. the name i know it was like it was like a proper sports commentator that he, no. he mimicked off no peter druin 
Peter Drune, really? I Peter thought he Druin. also took someone else too. He, I thought I read. Well, maybe as yeah. well, but Peter yeah. Drune would do it, and Peter Drune would do it at different like awards banquets and stuff like that. It just as it was really oh. I think competitive format. I I like oh. that concept. By the way, no, no, no. I'm I'm still. Yeah. I haven't even touched upon oh. my idea. Oh, okay. No, no I haven't got even close to it. All so right. that kind of ties into so like, um, in in England it's called Strictly Come Dancing, and I think in America it's called Come Dancing with the Stars. You know, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, Dancing with the Stars, and and we have X Factor over here, and I think mm-hmm. you have you yeah, have we X have X Factor too. X-Factor. Same yeah. one, yeah, with same Simon shit. And the judges are almost like the main stars of the show. Yes. You get to know their personalities, and I mean the top the, chef. The, Pad- Padme Lakshmi watch it all the time for her you know it's like <laughs> that's wait what I watch. I watch Top Chef and the judges are the main part of that show why also, did you say Pad- Padme oh, Lakshmi the, oh I thought you were talking sorry. about in Star Wars and I was no like, Padamame <laughs> okay, okay okay sorry we're going way off here way off <laughs> let's reel it in uh-huh. um yeah, so, so okay, your so you, idea. So one, you have the the judges become yeah. more personality wise. They become main part of the show. But also, is uh, is it Derek Hind who's running this competition right now? Where the rat you, sir? Where you submit videos of yourself surfing? No, no, oh, no somebody, that's not what somebody's I know. doing this, and it gave me an idea. So here's the idea, and it's not necessarily to come in place of the WSL but a possibly more interactive, exciting, and maybe better format to decide who really is the best surfer in the world is you got this. You've got anyone can enter. They have to submit like a a three minute video or two minute video clips of them surfing like a variety of conditions, submit it Mm -hmm. to a, like this panel of judges. Now the judges will be made of, you know, maybe you have like three judges or five judges who are like really qualified judges and maybe famous people. So you could have, you know, uh, you know, like Barton Lynch suggested, maybe Shane Dorian is one of the judges. Yeah. And, um, and you know, maybe, maybe get whoever you can come up with, you know, just really yeah. hot shit judges, people who know their stuff. Um, and they kind of, sift through this or maybe they have some underlings sift through it and choose eight eight or 12 like of the best surfers and it could end up being like the top eight in the world perhaps you know maybe it's going to be anyway so you get them then you say okay and this could run alongside the world tour you say all right now we're going to take you we're going to pay your accommodations you or you've got we're going to give you a budget and you've got two months in california let's say in in like a February, March, or, or maybe Australia in March or April, you got to go there and you've got two months and we're going to, you can hire someone to be your cinematographer and you've got to come up with um, a clip that is no more than five minutes long and you can edit it any way you want. You can have music on it, you know, whatever you want and you get to choose where you want to surf, whatever you want to do. But in Australia for this first part, you've got to, just make the ultimate clip and we're going to judge and then we're going to air it live and the top like maybe maybe it's only eight surfers submit their clips and after each one the judges come on and they comment on it and they give it scores and the scores could be you know however you want to do like versatility you know style speed power innovation whatever but it's up to the surfer and the cinematographer to choose how they're going to exhibit it 
Mm. Then sounds the, like intersection almost. Right, though. right. Yeah. But the, the the difference is the judges they speak authoritatively. They explain why they came up with the scores. Mm-hmm. But it's not the judges who decides who gets to stay on till the next round. It's the audience. They have like one week or one day to vote online. And yeah. if there's, let's say there's uh, 12 surfers, then four of them get zapped away. You know, they vote for the top eight who get to remain. And you actually see them watching it. And they film them, you know, watching it. <laughs> then you take those eight and you do the same thing. And while and also this is going to be like a, a maybe a two-part program on where there's going to be like a history of they'll actually go in and you know have a history of each of these surfers and they kind of build up like a thing then the next phase do the same thing but in indonesia and then you whittle it down to six surfers or four surfers surfing with the stars surfing the stars and then the last <laughs> bit is in hawaii they've got all of december to film it to make things and it becomes like a blog you know like um you know, like a, a web blog, blog. Yeah. You know, like a Koa Rothman's, you know, like yeah. you can follow them around and stuff like this, this. is living. This is living. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and, but then you go, okay. And now we've seen their background. Here are the right, the five minute clips. And they show the first five minute clip and everyone watches it. There's good music and stuff. And then right afterwards it goes to the judges and it could be like, a chance to just yeah be really uh, i think i think that would be i think like i think that that would be a great series i i don't see why the wsl wouldn't do something like that what they could do is actually have the surfers film their sessions around the competitions that they are at also so they could be on tour and then when it's all when the waves aren't good or give them some extra time there and be like all right go film in this location while you're here for this contest and film for this other side comp too so they can be doing dual. I, I personally, I want to see more of the Gary Elkerton version where it's like boxing and it's more like, <laughs> and you can have judges, you know, for the heat and they ju- determine the winner, you know, and there'll be points, but it's not like, it's like you were just saying how they just award the, the round to this surfer, you know, who is surfing the best. And then you can have, you know, who's the best in, heavy reef break champion and then you can have the small wave champion you know and then you can have the intercontinental champion and <laughs> who was the oh my what tito was santana tito, San, tito santana tito the, tito santana tito San, was one what uh, was the intercontinental champion what did it even mean and maybe it was like europe america or I america never i never knew what that really meant but it sounded cool and it was always like the intercontinental champion they always seemed like the lightweight champion instead yes. of the, the you know the heavyweight champion you know oh, so really lightweight it but never i would like anyone love that good. to see that because i think then you can bring the more theatrical bravado to it. It can bring the whole fight night kind of vibe to it. Like when Slater and Philippe Toledo had that heat in Bali um, last year, that semifinal, there was such buildup to it. And it was like, it was like the main event fight, you know, you were waiting for this heat and there was shit talking and so much going around on social media, hyping it up. And it totally lived up to it too. Um, I think that is the fun way to go. Particularly imagine like, all right, I'm Kelly Slater. I'm taking you down. I keep going in my WWE kind of voice, Hulkamania style, but I'm like, Slater, you're going down. You're an old man. 
I'm taking you down in these waves right here. And then you can follow a swell leading up to that break. And then they go at it just man on man. Cause I love the man on man vibe. I mean, the person on person vibe. And I also like, um, I love the tactics. I love a priority. Mm. I love those things. That's chess. I love the fact that it's not just ability, it's smarts and intelligence and how you can conduct yourself in the lineup because we all have to do that on a day-to-day when we surf too. You have what? to play chess in the lineup all the time. By the way, this yeah, is I straight, think that's very why. far from Terry Fitz, but I love it anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that's why it does, like, I feel like the WSLs is like one thing, you know, and it, it probably doesn't need to change very much. They just need some tweaks, you know? Yeah. But then you could have, like the, the thing I was talking about, because the photo surfers or the, the free surfers, they're still competitive. They still like to see who's the best. They just don't like heats, you know, that you could have a different style of competition totally. that you could have. <laughs> and which one would Terry Fitzgerald compete in? Would he compete in the traditional one, the the, the strictly come dancing one, or the, the Gary Ogden versus Tito? T- I don't know if it's Tito Santana or Dino. No, there was Dino Miranda or Dino. No, Dino Miranda is the surfer. Yeah. Dino something because I just watched Dark Side of the Ring and they did yeah. a whole thing. Dino Ooh. Bravo. Dino, Dino Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian guy. Oh, tragic yes. story. By the way, oh. Oh. Uh, Vice does a show called Dark Side of the Ring and they do all these dark backstory. Like Randy Macho Man Savage one is like so sad. I've heard. Um, yeah. But back to Terry Fitz <laughs> and, Take a minute. and being and and what format he would would be Excel in. the most in. I mean, I think the Dancing with the Stars one would be <laughs> the the best to suit him because <laughs> his hips. He does. He's he just is beautiful. He's dancing. He's dancing on a wave. It looks like he's dancing more. So I would love to see Terry Fitz in the Dancing with the Stars competitive format. But uh, we should talk about real quick, uh, you know, with Terry, uh, speaking of like competition and blood feud, let's just talk real quick about, you know, Matt, (laughs) Matt Warshaw wrote this new, this newsletter on Terry Fitz. And then uh, because of that opening quote, I, I attribute, uh, this response from Nick Carroll, who was having none of it. And well, yeah, I mean, like, just be like, yeah. the, it all started off when, yes, there was the, it all started off when Matt Washer wrote this blog, not the one that yeah. they put on Correct. Beach Grit for some I know, years, the 2014 one. Yeah. By the way, it was funny. Matt was like, I totally forgot that I wrote that. And he's <sighs> like, I'm so glad that I wrote pretty much the same thing <laughs> you know it's like he's like at least i'm consistent <laughs> yeah. so, so for those of you who who are not sure what we're talking about right here um so as as we're saying you know a, a few weeks ago matt washer wrote on the on the sunday joined this blog talk talking about terry fitzgerald and it started off with lewis samuels who famous you know famous surf journalist writer who famously did the power rankings which were do you want to describe exactly what the power rankings, power rankings were? were on surfline originally and it was basically the offspring of Derek hines top 30 i would say and he pulled no punches and wrote beautiful power rankings that were in the wonderful vein of Derek Hine, but 
slightly meaner for sure. But also, and really you say he pulled no punches, but he didn't. pulled no punches. Really, did he get punched? Yeah, I think he did get punched, and he got harassed. And then when he when the WSL first took over the the ASP, they were did his power rankings, and he ripped them to shreds. The surfers, some of them, and they complained their egos were hurt, and they got rid of Lewis right away, which was sad. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. What started off this uh, what started off this Sunday joint was the quote. Lewis, Lewis Samuels saying that he didn't get what all the fuss was about Barry Kaniapuni. Mm-hmm. And Matt said that he thought that Lewis would probably feel the same way about Terry Fitzgerald. And the reason was why, why would, what, what did he, Lewis he Samuels not like? He very narrowly hit the lip. He never, he never, you know, went vertical, you know, he never didn't seem radical basically. You know, his surfing. He he didn't yeah. understand it. It was mostly bottom turn. You know, especially BK was was all bottom. Ter- it was all about that bottom turn at sunset, the slingshot. Mm. And and Matt Washer wrote an article saying how you know in, Terry Fitzgerald was yes maybe not super innovative with like like in the early seventies you had guys like Cole Smith yeah. who were doing vertical off the lips at the time but terry fitzgerald was and and lopez and some others were getting shacked in the tube you know whereas terry fitzgerald however had this unbelievable style and the same thing barry kaniapuni did oh, i mean he was very innovative actually yeah. but also the two of them were just gorgeous looking surfers with the way they surfed and the big question you know and matt washer wrote about this and said how you know that it was style versus substance, but at the same, at that time, style was so linked with substance, but and then substance you use and substance use. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then uh, some people got offended and tell us about that. Yeah. Well, the great Nick Carroll, however, to quote Derek, Riley, was having none of it. Did he say however? Yeah. <laughs> I just totally see Derek Riley say however. Um, Matt, quote, Matt, there's a lot of cheap shots in this, mate. Not cool, Nick wrote on Facebook, prompting surfing's first men's world champion, Peter Townend, to chime in. Agreed. As one of my peer group, slightly older, Fitz had his unique approach to his surfing, as many of us did, as well as the equipment we shaped and rode. That was the beauty of that 70s era. And then Warshaw, Warshaw, of course, ain't afraid even of mighty Nick and superstar P.T., although he was diplomatic and I'll quote here. What, what about the part where it goes, you might say I would for sure that Terry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest surfers of all time, just as surely as Robert Plant is one of the greatest rock and roll rock singers of all time. My take on Fitz is just that he's maybe the ultimate horses for courses surfer, but on the courses that counted most sunset and Jay Bay. He was a stallion, a revelation, godlike, less so in ways that didn't suit his style. And that bored him. Same could be said for, for, uh, for half or more of those in the, in the all-time great, greatest pantheon, to which Terry is a Platinum Card member. Apologies if my comments came off disrespectful. That was not my intention. You know, so I think, I personally think Nick and PT were, were being a little sensitive and very defensive. Mm. Um, but it, but Matt raises a really good point. No offense to Terry Fitz, but like I don't want to see him surfing in waist-high mush. 
Um, you know, I do, there are certain waves. I don't think of Terry Fitz at pipe, really. Do you? I've never seen. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You, but Jay Bay, it's like those lines will never be drawn like that again. They were just so beautiful, so unique, so stylish, so fast. Um, waves of consequence, power, drive, down the line speed. That was Terry Fitz. He was not a vertical surfer. He was a horizontal, fast driving surfer to me. And his carves, beautiful, long, drawn out carves, which I don't know about you. It's fucking hard to do a real nice, long, drawn out carve and hold a rail for a long time. I've tried this. I'm a decent surfer. It's not easy to, do, to hold a rail line and hold that speed. And to do the turns that Terry Fitz were doing, like guys today can't do that. Even if you were to put like Philippe Toledo or any of the greats right now on Terry Fitz's equipment, they could not replicate those lines. Well, well that's the thing. I, I, I think I agree with you in that Matt gave quite a balanced, holistic, um, uh, well, he, he made his point quite, quite big and full and said that actually, you know, like he did, he was amazing and he had, and, and the style was a big part of it. And actually he, and, and in good waves, he was amazing. Um, I guess the point is then, do you agree with Lewis Samuels? Do you, and I know you, I, I at this point in, in the, in the podcast is probably academic Aaron. because you kind of have already talked about how much, you do think Terry Fitz was amazing. I guess the question is then, and I, I think we've probably made the point, like Terry Fitzgerald was incredibly stylish, but when you watch him, it didn't seem forced. It didn't seem, I don't think it mm. seemed too self-conscious. And it's all. tricky to do that. Like, because when you see some of the photos of him, you might think, oh, look at him posing. But when you watch the videos, it looks more like he's looking Natural. good, but not, yeah. But, you know, didn't Jamie Brizick write earlier this year that some people are being incredibly self-conscious because of, you know, photo Oh, he wrote the Instagram whole thing culture. with Mikey February here. He, mm. where he used as an example of very self-conscious, stylish surfers, you know? Yeah, well, um, that's and that's the thing. You do watch sometimes you watch people surf and it's, oh, it's just, bore, you know, it's edging over. They're good surfers, but they're edging over into being self-conscious. But those, a lot of the people who are extremely stylish are, free surfers i suppose yeah. you'd say you know do you think that you could today surf at the top top level of high performance shortboard surfing like philippe toledo and still be at the in the top five most stylish surfers in the world john john today's? john john is like butter dude i mean his recent clips that he's posted at sunset and and all over, all over hawaii fucking the most he's doing fitzy long rails at sunset carves he's he's doing very similar lines than fitzy his body torque isn't the same but the lines he's drawing i guess he, that's the, the thing turns are eerily similar well that's the thing like uh with surfing is that it's not just from the ankles down is it it's it's the body as well and and, and matt wrote once in the surfers journal how um you know, he had it was a picture of tom curran and he was talking about tom's fingers and hands yeah. and everything like, and how perfect they were and i guess 
Tom Kern would have been a surfer who you would have put in the top five most stylish surfers at the time. Yeah. But John John, as far as stylish, would he be as stylish? So stylish. Is he as stylish as um his style may not Jared be as Mel, unique. perhaps, you know. Yeah, it's not as unique. Let's say that, like, that's what I'm talking about. Whereas Fitz was at that time as as unique and as stylish as it came. You, you, I would say Idolo. Idolo has a very unique style. It's not. It, I don't know where it derives from actually, because because it's a it's a you know it's a duck stance, and the way he wraps and up on a bottom turn winds up to do a turn like. I'm actually struggling to find uh, uh, the DNA, like where where the lineage is in the style. His style is like is really unique. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, "This is unorthodox looking. It doesn't look like every other surfer. It really doesn't." I, I really think he he gets speed and power out of turns I, that you don't see other surfers get, like the level of pop and energy. So I, I would I would put Idolo on there. I totally think Idolo could. I would make a case for him. I was thinking if you were gonna say somebody who's super stylish, like aesthetically pleasing, and again, that's a subjective thing. So I'm not saying really... totally. I'm saying unique style. I'm oh, also okay. Saying unique style because Terry was very unique his style, yes. and a lot of surfers today there's a homogenization. There's you know there's influence. You know, and there's a homogenization to a certain extent of the style. Everyone has their unique flares, but there's a lot that can be traced back to like Curran, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, um, as far as aesthetically pleasing. Um, and aesthetically, I think you'd put like Steph Gilmore, like oh. that, that wave when she wrote it, uh, Karamas. Like, yeah. You watch it and you almost think, like, how can you be so aesthetically pleasing? In your style and still as high performance it almost seems like you'd have to compromise one or the other but she didn't in a way that like joel parkinson or tom kern would have done it or terry fitzgerald yeah. would have done it well then mm. the other question yeah that i was gonna ask is you know like terry fitzgerald simon anderson Mark Richards, Reno Abelera, Jay. Well, okay, let's not talk about Reno Abelera yeah. and Jay Lopes because they weren't so much top contest surfers. But could you still be? Is it possible now? I know it's not, no one's doing it, but could anyone be at the super top level and still be like a, a top shaper today? Um, I think it's possible. I, I don't, I mean, Slater's a designer, but, mm, it's true, <laughs> you yeah. know. And we um, talked about Ryan Birch and... Yeah. Um, I do think it's possible. I think, um, particularly with the new World Tour format, when they'll have a much longer off-season, I think you could, if you wanted to, you could do it. Um, whether they will, uh, whether someone will, mm. it may be a while, but um, I definitely think that is, it will be possible and you can do it. Um, yeah. I do. I think you All can. All right. Okay. Now. Well, then it's a. Uh, oh, yeah. Can we, I want to talk about something real quick. Well, not real quick, but we do have to mention the one part we haven't mentioned with Terry. Surf exploration. This guy pioneered so many spots. And we, we've kind of missed it. We've gone on the competitive rant here, mm. but I want to bring it back to Terry because he 
you know, pioneered a lot of spots in Tahiti, in Java, in Indonesia. I mean, Penaitan, you know, uh, One Palm, you know, going over there. Like, dude, he broke ground. He broke ground on a lot of these spots. Uh, we have a lot to thank there with him. I mean, yeah, his, movies, no, his movies were the precursors to Search, by the way. That's true. Yeah. Derek Hine, by the way, who came up with the Search, there's the lineage. Oh, there's the lineage. So there are these uh, uh, hidden, hidden influences, right? Yeah. There. Yeah. Because yeah. that was fucking awesome. I mean, the Ted David was discovered by by Fitz, basically. And holy crap, man. I was watching if you want to talk about a stylish, unique surfer. Boom. Right mm. there. And also uncompromising. When everyone went to, to the glass slipper, Vitea went thicker, longer, and wider, you know, mm. and, and did well, actually. Had broke the top 16 quite a few times. I believe uh, 92 he had broken it, you know, even. Uh, no, not 92. Maybe it's 93. I'm trying to remember. Uh, but yeah, no, 93 when he got got in the finals of uh, Coke of the of the Coke, I think, with Todd Holland there, I believe it was. Yeah, no, he was. Yep. Yeah, yep. That's another thing. Well, I mean, that kind of. Yeah. Brings me to oh. my question for Stump My, my Bro. bro. That's going to sound good in the echo. I know. I was thinking, like, it's really weird. How come you can't make your voice echo right now? Well, everyone listening is going to be like, what do you mean? It did. It did. By the way, heavily influenced. Got to give credit to Ain't That Swell. Ain't That Swell. <laughs> All right. I feel like there must be some other shows that do the echo as well. Of course. Um, I'm, right. I'm not terribly proud of my question this this time around. It was, oh, really? it was hastily put together, I'm sorry to say. Do you want to pause this and take a break and look for, come up with another question? No, no I'm committed. I'm committed. Okay. I'm committed. Oh, you're, it's you're inspired one. by, uh, inspired by Fitz, just by Fitz. <laughs> Do you want to give me your question first then? Yeah, because we're going to linger on my, on yours probably a lot longer. Yeah, because my question also has like a, a third part where there's an answer any way you want kind of thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what year did Terry win bells? Oh, um, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I was going to say 75, but 72. I don't know. 72. That was like right. his first real pro win also. And can, I, can you, can you oh. name two other surf contests he's won? Yes. Was, oh, oh, I can name one. The Ombali Pro mm-hmm. at, at, um, at Uluwatu. Uh, another contest? Didn't he win uh, Narabeen? Didn't he win? Uh, Co Classic? Yeah, I thought, but he might have been contest director, I thought. I know he won, in, won sure. in Belzeland too for $5,000. Oh, the Hang pro. 10. Be- Oh, the yeah. lightning bolt, lightning yeah, the bolt, lightning bolt. The yeah. lightning bolt pro, yes. yeah, yeah. At, at yes, V-Land. I did know that. Yeah, Ooh, I would love to see footage of Terry Fitz at V Land. Actually, that hmm. would be beautiful. I'm not sure, actually. You don't I mean, think so? Pro- well, with the V-Land, barrels and the the steps and the ledges and his style right. could be really fun to watch him react. What him and his George Patent, uh, yeah. George. Patton. I like George, his tube George stance. George, yes. it, it's not bad. 
I like his tube stance. It's, it's interesting, that, like, because I always think of him as such a lateral surfer, you know, down yeah. the line. Whereas at, at Velzyland, you think like you know, buttons, buttons, you know, like just yeah. super pockety kind of guy. Um, but I can imagine ever... his long turns doing like a big cutty and then dropping, cutting down one of those steps that happened. No, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Did, be did really you get fun. to surf it when you were there? Never. I'm t- I was way too scared to go to V-Land. I surfed it when I was there. Yeah, you live there and like I just felt I'm I'm too timid. I thought I was going to get my ass kicked if I went there. Yeah, yeah. I did go with people. Yeah. It was it was an incredibly easy wave to surf. Like it was you would have loved it. Yeah, just like yeah. a little roll into a hollow section and Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 um do you know cuz I was looking this up and I was trying, this was going to be my question, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I couldn't get it. But who is runner up to Terry Fitz at the OM Bali Pro? Oh, okay. Um, I think it's MR, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe not. Because Jim Banks won it the year before. Mm, I know. At first, I was going to say Jim Banks. Yeah, oh, oh, no, well, the year after. I mean, the year after. Sorry. It's on. Um, I think seven C's. Seven. No, that's the Jim Banks one. No. Baby, you're a hard act to follow. No, I didn't. It's, no, that's Storm uh, Riders. Was, that was Storm way. Riders. Storm Riders was the was the. Uh, oh, was it Storm Riders? Storm Riders. It was Storm Riders. With, you're a hard well, act a, to follow. Yeah. Make it easier. It's a song for it. <laughs> I know. Way. If we're gonna talk about Storm Riders and a where are they now? Yeah. What? Thornton Folander. I don't know how to say his name. You know, Flander? Yes. Such a Flanderous guy. I know. (laughs) Never want to get married to him. (laughs) He's the one, like, in in Storm Riders, him and Joe Ingle go off to Neos. Neos. Yeah. And he was, like, in a lot of the magazines at the time. And then I don't know anything about him. I feel like that'd be an interesting Uh, uh, who this dude was. Yeah, I want to see. I I am trying to, but I'm not going to do it now. But, yeah. All right. What's your question? Okay. Bring it. Bring, Bring it. it. So in an old joint, mm. um, a few years ago, Matt had written this uh, article where he had read some article by a rock and roll writer, like a music journalist. And they said that uh, it was a, you know, kind of marching band music, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's, it, it's like a type of music that basically you know, nobody makes anymore. But like, if you ever think of who is the person synonymous with this kind of music, it's some, some person. And, trombones and. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but they, so the, the person wrote, they said, okay, if you were going to decide in 300 years time when historians talk about the long dead art form known as rock and roll, mm. what is the, they're not going to talk about everybody because they're just going to narrow it down to one person who are, yeah. embodied it. Um, and he made this really long case that Chuck Berry would be the person. Mm. And then Matt said, okay, well, in 300 years time, when historians talk about the long dead act known as surfing, mm. <laughs> God forbid, um, what surfer's name will be synonymous with the idea of surfing itself? So the question mm. is, who did, it's a two part, it's a three part question. Okay. First, 
the first two you'd have to answer to get stumped, my bro. The first one is, you know, who was Matt's first, the, the person he thought would be the person associated with it. Mm. But then a year later, he changed his mind to someone else. Ooh, I, the third the third question would be who would you choose <laughs> damn i'm gonna guess on this of course of course if you haven't read and it. i don't are you saying i'm like a bad person now or a bad host of sunday ah, there's the past sag <laughs> said hey we have to be good cop bad cop here you know who's <laughs> who's the good surf no oh, you are the bad surf nerd? oh i give all the credit to you i totally but um i mean Hmm. Hmm. You you could say Duke at one one stage. Uh, I wonder if he would, but knowing Matt and his and what he he likes to go a little counter uh, intuitive on it. Fuck. I I want to. I imagine he might. No, I don't know, but I'm going well, to guess. Let's I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Well, let's, oh, okay. say, let's work, work backwards. backwards. Okay. Who, if you were going to think like a surfer. Let's work backwards. Who would I put? Yeah. Say, you know, right. someone who really embodies I think everything. Slater could be one of those people. I think because, because one competitive surfing wise, he's just so dominant in, in the media exposure that he's had. Surfboard design, he's had a lot of influence. We don't know in 300 years time, Outer Known might be one of the biggest brands in the world for sustainability. <laughs> so we don't know <laughs> there. Um, you know, uh, he fill, he's, a ve- he's a very full-rounded surfer. He's good in everything. He surfs well. He's synonymous with surfing in so many ways. So I think he could be one. I think, um, you know, Duke Kanamoko would be could be one because of um because he get, he basically was like Johnny Appleseed of surfing. Um I, I would love Kern to be one, but I don't know. I mean, what what about you working backwards? It's, yeah, it's a tough one because I'm thinking like who would be the person that like if you just took an alien or something like that or someone who'd never heard of surfing and you wanted to kind of just use as a the example or the avatar for the surfer. Lopez? Um, but well, of course I love Lopez, but he's doesn't, he's not a representative of everyone. He's no. very un, unusual, actually. Mm. Um, he's someone to strive to be like, perhaps. So you're thinking someone who fits more of the stereotype of a surfer, maybe, or fits a, what, what mm. the image of, of, uh, of our, of our current idea of a surfer. Well, you'd have to, the, the, the problem with the, the game is though, mm-hmm. to think that, in 300 years time, there won't be surfing anymore. So you're going to look back on like a, mm. a 50 to a hundred year era, let's say, and say, if you're going to have one person where if you found out about them, you would learn a lot about surfing in general, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where it gets tricky, you know? Curran could be good. And the reason I say Curran is because of, the family lineage. His father represents a certain area era, so it, it, there's connective tissue and history. And then his daughter is also kind of continuing that. And so there's like a legacy. They they're quite humble. 
they, they have a nice demeanor. I don't know. They read surf, read the waves very well. They embody certain spirit of it. I don't know. Maybe that's just bumped my bias because I'm just. But that's the thing. Curran. The only thing is Tom Kern is very different from most people. Yeah. He's very introverted. He got married really young. Gerlach? He's Yeah, with whereas uh, now you're with getting more. now? I think now you're getting a bit closer because Gerlach was somebody who he was, he was uh, kind of one of the one of the guys in one way. You know, Christian and he was. Fletcher? Well, see, the thing is, Christian mm, Fletcher was very Christian. like he was a rebellious icon. You know, mm. like he was counter to everyone else. Whereas Brad Gerlach was, you know, kind of the blonde California surfer dude who hung out with lots of people, went out partying, but also competed, did a little yeah. bit of everything. Big and I know in um, surfing and 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 study style. Um, yeah, like Ger could be a really good good. And maybe, you know, 100 years from now, wave key could be like the main yoga form now that everyone's doing. And they'll like think of wave key and surfing synonymous in Brad Gerlach. Yes, if Brad would be closer. I know mm-hmm. um, in when Matt Warshaw wrote a profile on Rabbit Bartholomew, he said that Rabbit was kind of a real universal surfer, you know, kind of. True. That did a bit of everything. So is that who Matt chose? Who did he Matt didn't. choose? Matt chose... He chose Mick Fanning first of all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess that makes sense. He's blonde. He's good surfer. He had the party aspect, but he also matured. He can ride single fins. He can ride big waves. He can, he can do anything, you know, he was Australian and Australia was a big part of being a surfer. Totally. So I think, yeah, that's, and also I guess like, if you're going to say that for a while, not necessarily anymore in, in the United States and Australia, you know, like surfers were quite often, you know, maybe leaning more towards working class middle, you know, like blue collar perhaps for a while, but now mm. it's changing in, in those two places because it's so expensive to live by the beach. I know that's the thing. Now you might, if surfing carries on for another 50 years or so, you might pick somebody from Brazil to be. Yeah more representative of it or you might pick a woman because surfing is becoming so like when you go on instagram it feels like most of the surfers are women on well they're the know. most marketable apparently according to nielsen ratings right yeah a uh, new beach grid article yeah and i i mean or stab sorry yeah uh but he changed it a year later so it was mick fanning for the first year and, who and then the a year later he got one over by reading again Drew Campion's profile on Nat Young and he chose Nat Young. Yeah, Nat would be how can I fucking miss that? I can't believe I missed that cuz Nat is like he wrote all the books, he wrote the history of surfing, he wrote uh Surf Rage. He's written like so much and he's he spans such such a the long history, you know? Um world champion Lot multiple longboard champion was the guy who set up the longboard world tour on the ASP and dictated the style and competed to set the pace basically. And you know, he, he was he always like, like part present. of different zeitgeists yeah. as well. Like, forget about those two things. In between there, he was part. He was one of the the guys fully into the um you know the surfer hippie movement. You know that went to absolutely. Byron I mean, he's kind of like and ate raw in a way, cauliflower and all that. Yeah, in a way, like the Beatles were kind of at the forefront of every movement in the 60s, you know? Yeah. Like 
he was like that for surfing and and still continues on today you know yeah. and like uh with his with his children and um so yeah i had actually when i first read the article it's really worth going back um when, i don't remember the date of it mm -hmm. but it's oh wait i've got it right here because it's it's super interesting and it's super interesting to read the um the he has a link to the the original article about music actually which is, is super Ooh. interesting so, so so if you go back to the sunday joint on july 21st 2019 that's episode one and then um and then you can go from there it's all right people go really good take your eos sub subscription go to the eos.surf and check it out and go read that really great Sunday joint or check your inbox if you've been a subscriber for a while. And, uh, well, we stumped each other. We did. Yes. Yes. Um, well, Jane, that was, uh, that was a fun little dive into Terry Fitz with lots of great little offshoots. Uh, really, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed, I always say this now every episode, but this was so much fun to to kind of explore. And I was like really excited, like just doing my little side research to call it up KidVid or that and stuff was really fun. And then looking at like, um, you know, that Surfer's Journal, finding that VHS and being like, oh, fuck, I need to watch this before the episode and I got to get it to Jamie and like... Mm. Uh, and then like I went on surf video network, watched the hot butter soul movie and was watching that. And I'm like, fuck, this is great surfing. Vitea David is just getting, he keeps climbing my list mm. of favorite surfers over the years. As I get older, I appreciate his surfing more and more. Yeah. And that, that was one that of the things I wasn't, discovered. wasn't attractive, but actually, well, not according to Chris Bystrom. During the stands contest in some of the last surf or the last surf movie, and they're like, and there's Vitea David with his ultra stylish cutbacks. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Gotta keep my, my body, body tight. tight. <laughs> but I, 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 that was one of the fun things I got out of this watching all the old footage, watching Terry, obviously, was amazing, but also watching, um, his offshoot Derek Hine footage too was in hot butter's soul. There's some really good Derek surfing. Yeah. Did like, you get, I sent, um, I sent to the Sunday joint uh, Instagram. I sent uh, some stuff I found on yeah, the ads. Oh my it, God. From hot butter's, uh, hot butter's uh, website, by the way, we didn't even deal with this and it, it's basically where the name hot butter came from. Isaac yeah. Hayes with Al Chapman. Al hot buttered soul hot buttered soul album and then i went and listened to the album you know and it's like it's so, so groovy groovy and like so that for all of you out there that's where hot buttered came from i can't that's believe a, we left that out it's good a thing we good, got that it's a great name and uh oh yeah i know we gotta get going we gotta wrap this up this has yeah. been a long one but if you go to beach grit they've got um i think it's a chazis or someone's uh top five uh surf brand logos and um i think we should top top real quick top five <laughs> surf brand or surfboard brand uh names hot buttered is hot buttered is I up there it. i mean um burning spear 
I do like. Ah, uh, yeah, that's like, pretty good. Um, yeah, burning spears. You know, that's a that's a really fun one. Um, you know, I feel it, like Channel Islands kind of vanilla. You know, it doesn't really. It's not very. It's like, oh yeah, then the islands off there is kind of nice. Like, like, give me something more groovy and fun. I don't know, like. Um, Dick Nirvana. Brewer. It's Dick got Bruce. it's got our name and it's got Dick in it. It doesn't get any better than that. Nirvana surfboards. <laughs> yes, Nirvana and Roar. 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 <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. Well, the Sunday Joint is a surf adjacent podcast of the Encyclopedia of Surfing, and it is distributed by Surf Splendor Podcast. I'm Tyler Brewer, and I'm his brother Jamie. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you on Dan the Line. Phew.